It's another edition of Not Just Another Sports Podcast, brought to you by Arrowhead Live. This is Price Carter, and joining me is my co-host, Christian Amesworth. We are going to be breaking down the Chiefs preseason game number two and talking some roster construction, and then we'll get to some general NFL drama as well. Christian, how are you today? Doing good. Class is just starting back up this week at Mizzou, so moved back down. Got into my new apartment, so if you hear any construction noises in the background, that's what that is. They're fixing the flooring and you know just general upkeep. But so it's it's been kind of a headache. But as someone, what about you? As someone who has both went to school plenty as a student and then taught for several years, and now no longer a teacher and work in the traditional workforce, I can one hundred percent tell you that just working throughout the summer is much less painful than going back to school. Nothing sucked more than going back to school, like August and back to school stuff. You know, you get the school list whenever you're in high school, your classes, your all the syllabus, that stuff sucks. Getting out of education and now just working year around, it's much less painful. Oh, yeah, dude. Well, and especially that this is like my last year. It's like there's so much bureaucracy and nonsense that you like. It used to be you'd get in like syllabus week and basically the first two or three days is like basically nothing. No, no, no. We're hitting the ground running. We're doing projects already. I'm, you know, being having to go through accreditation stuff. It's just a whole deal. So it was nice to kind of fall back on some Chiefs football this weekend to kind of, I don't know, take my mind off the impending doom for a while. Yeah, for sure. Well, um, speaking of impending doom, the Chiefs, they, uh, I mean, I'm having a hard time kind of finding something to complain about as far as preseason goes. Um, Your starting offense and defense are basically up 21-0 against other starters. You know, if we kind of like combine the two games that they've played and the two series that they've played, the defense hasn't given up a field goal or a touchdown and the and uh, you know every time Mahomes gotten the ball he's punching it into the end zone um i th- i think the thing that's probably my biggest takeaway from this game is just I, you know I, I this is so stupid but i feel like it has to be said Patrick Mahomes is really good like he is not a product of Tyreek Hill and Travis Kelsey i, I mean Travis Kelsey certainly helps but he made some plays in this game, man. They were just, and also missed a shot to Marquez Valdez-Scantling. I mean, how different does this game look like if he hits that one? But I mean, he just looked really good. I'm very excited about this year. And like, I know it's the preseason and we're drinking our own bath water here, but man, I, I'm starting to get more and more optimistic about the season. Yeah, there, there are a few things that scare me. Uh, but otherwise, like, this is exactly what you want for a preseason stretch. Like, nobody's hurt uh, outside of Fenton I guess he's the only one who's really dealing with any injuries um I guess Carlos Dunlap a little bit too but none of our major starters none of our stars are injured uh they've played extremely well even like the times that they've hiccuped like I, I noted I wrote down the other day during that Bears uh during that Bears preseason game that Mahomes missed MBS like twice so it's we're still moving forward. We still got a ways to go, but all things considered, I like where we're at now. Could the running game be a little bit better? Yeah, sure. But are they probably showing you their whole hand? No, probably not. So again, little things can be fixed, but mostly good. Yeah, I um, you know, there's there's a lot of things that we can kind of take away. One thing that I think is really, you know, we've talked about this before when we did our emergency podcast after the Tyree Kill trade. We talked about the 2022 Chiefs might not be as good, but the 23, 24 Chiefs are going to be better for this. And man, if if this year and how we feel right now isn't it a statement on how big that trade was for this organization, I don't know what is. I mean, everything that you feel optimistic about this team is almost directly correlated to the past draft. George Karloftis looks great. He looks like he's absolutely going to make an impact this year. Trent McDuffie has had zero issues in coverage so far. Now he will. It, it's going to happen. He's going to get housed by Mike Williams or Keenan Allen week two, and we're going to all, you know, slap our face. But he looks really good. You know, Sky Moore, we haven't really seen a whole lot from him in the preseason as far as production, but every time you turn on the tape, he's wide open. I guarantee you 
there's going to be a play here soon where we're, you know, maybe it's week one, week two, but Sky Moore is just going to be comically open. You know, there there's just a lot of really good signs about this team. Leo Chanel looks like a heat-seeking missile. And, you know, I think, I think there's two, really this preseason has just kind of helped me realize that they made the right decision with Tyreek Hill. And it's also helped me realize that this team has gotten much, much better at drafting. And, you know, Brett Veach deserves that credit. We had definitely been more vocal about criticizing him in some of his earlier, earlier drafts, but they have just really hit it out of the park here in the last couple of years. Yeah, well, and you kind of took my point there. I was going to say not only have they, you know, you can't really judge the Tyree Kill deal until you see the players that they drafted with those picks because, man, we we kind of chalked up the, the Tyree Kill thing as a W just because the amount of picks that we got and the cap space that would be opened up. But really, when you look at it, it's like, what did you get value-wise? Like, if Tyreek Hill goes out and has five more years of 1,200-plus yards, it's like, okay, well, you know, we probably didn't win that trade. It doesn't really matter who we got unless it's a wide receiver who's comparable to that. Um, but if he goes out and he gets injured in a few weeks or in a few years and is never really the same, which I think Beach was kind of expecting to happen with a guy who relies on you know, pure athleticism, um, but also part of it is again, who you've got in those picks and it looks like they got some really good players. Now you could say, um, they got that pick 29 and traded up and got McDuffie. So you're really comparing like McDuffie and sky and canard basically versus Tyreek Hill at this point. And I like where it's headed. I mean, one thing about Trent McDuffie, you didn't hear his name called at all on the broadcast either of the two weeks that he's played that's a good thing i i want my cbs to be so locked down that you never hear their names other than oh uh tight coverage there by trip mcduffie in the secondary like that that's exactly how he's been this entire preseason and hopefully that extends to the regular season we'll see yeah and you know i think you know we've said several times this defense is going to be a work in progress but the hustle and the physicality is, you know, they're going to make good tackles. That's one thing that this defense just, it just feels like every time a ball carrier carries the ball, they get five more yards than they should because the Chiefs just can't tackle. And that's something, again, I feel confident that is not going to be an issue going forward because not only is there athleticism there, but when you're athletic, you can lay big hits. Uh, Dion Bush laid a pretty wicked hit in this game. Um, and he's, you know, probably safety number four on the roster. So, I feel really good about the construction of it. I do have a confession to to bring to the table. And it's one that um, it, it really hurts me to say this because I've kind of flown this flag for a little bit here. But um, I think Nick Bolton's actually really good. And I think he was a really good draft pick. Um, I was pretty critical of it because of the athleticism. And I didn't think that he'd develop in the past at all. And I mean, I was scrolling through my old tweets, which I do sometimes just for perspective. And I like had tweeted like the Chiefs made a mistake in not drafting Terrace Marshall Jr. and drafting Nick Bolton. And Nick Bolton might be one of the best young players at his position in the league right now. Oh, yeah. Conveniently for the Chiefs, the one guy everybody didn't want them to pick turned out to be a stud. Like I remember choosing, oh, who was that? Um, the linebacker for LSU. I think his last name was Jabro Cox. Was it? Yeah, Jabril yeah, Cox. Yeah. yeah. Yes, I think that was it. Like super athletic guy, got drafted to Dallas who desperately needed linebackers, and he hasn't seen the field. So, I mean, they, they chose that guy. And then looking towards this season, that you talk about them drafting well, George Karloffis, a guy who I was pretty hesitant on going in. If there was one guy I wanted them to choose, it was probably not him. Um, and they drafted him. And of course, in this preseason, he's come out looking like a stud. So, you know, we complain about Spags a lot. Um, there's a lot when you compare him to Andy Reid and the other side of the ball. It's, you know, it's, you're kind of in a no-win situation. But he's done a fairly good job of getting genuine players who can come in and make a difference on the defense. I mean, look at Willie Gay. Look at Sneed. Like these, these are picks that are important to the future of this franchise. And he did them. He got them outside of the first round which again is absolutely incredible 
Yeah, and I mean, I think I think honestly, one of the best things to be excited about for the defense is just forever. It has felt like the Chiefs have just unathletic, slow linebacker play, and Bolton and Gay and Chanel at the linebacker position. It's just going to there are just going to be plays that that pops time and time again. And, you know, I just, it's exciting. I think, I think that there's a lot of really good things to come away from there. And, you know, part of this is, is that Nick Bolton's playing the position he should play. If you remember one of Nick Bolton's best games last year was against the chargers in LA. Why? Because um, Anthony Hitchens had COVID and was out for that game. So we actually played the mic, which is where he's going to be most of the time this year. And he made some good plays in pass protection or in uh, pass coverage in that game as well. Um, I went back and watched the last uh, quarter of that game the other day just for some um, memories. So, yeah, Nick Bolton, I'm, I'm, there's a lot of reasons to be excited about this defense. The only thing that I'm concerned about is I, I'm still just a little unconvinced of the pass rush. I think that Carl Loftus is a great, he's a great tryhard, like, so far, the best comparison I've heard to him, obviously, we're very familiar with him, is Tom Bahali. In the sense that Tom Bahali never just, you know, blew by someone. He's not your Von Miller guy who sacks someone in three seconds or less. But he just is so, the motor so good. He's got a such good bull rush that he will get so many sacks just effort. And I mean, Tom Bahali, if, you know, if Karloftis is Tom Bahali's career, it's going to be a, a masterpiece. Like, that's that's a great pick for Brett Beach. But I think Karloftis will do really well with Chris Jones here. But one of my opinions is, is that this is probably Chris Jones's last year as a chief. I think that he's more or less in a contract year this year. Um, and I think that we could be looking at the Tyree Kill situation again, just with Chris Jones next year. So I'm expecting a big year for Chris Jones, but I'm also expecting next year the Chiefs might be without Frank Clark and Chris Jones would be relying a lot on Karloftis. Yeah, we'll see. I don't know about that. I think that Chris Jones is one of those guys that, you know, we drafted here, honestly, kind of like Travis Kelsey, like one of the top two or three guys at his position, his entire career, um, just coming in, doing the work, taking a little bit less. He did on his contract, his last contract extension. So I can see him doing it again. I think, I think, I think the one difference though. The one difference is, is like Travis Kelsey's never been the highest paid play paid position player at his position. And Chris Jones ha is was damn near if he wasn't, he will be next year as far as his cap hit goes, because they've been kicking the can down the road on his contract. And also like the Travis Kelsey and Chris Jones thing are not the same. If you remember, like Chris Jones went on, he was unhappy about being salary tax or uh, franchise tagged when he was, he went on Colin Cowherd show and said like, I deserve to be paid like the player I am. And I, you know, the franchise tag is not that option. And there's one thing that also happened during Chris Jones's contract negotiation. And that was COVID, which draped a lot of uncertainty around NFL contracts all throughout the league. Now they also got Mahomes' deal and Travis Kelsey's deal done that year with Chris Jones. But I, you know, coming off a championship, like there was no better time for him to take that deal. And I, I just, I don't know that you're going to get that from him again. And I also, you know, he says, you know, he's getting closer to 30. He's got a sore back, which, you know, my back is sore regularly too. So, you know, it could just be that, or it could be something serious. Back injuries are no joke when it comes to off offensive and defensive linemen. That's what killed Dontari Poe's career. It's what killed Mitchell Schwartz's career. Two really good linemen that played here in KC. So, um, but yeah, I, I, you know, pass rush is still just a little worrisome. You're basically relying on Chris Jones, Carl Loftus. And Frank Clark, which brings me to a little piece of news. We have Carlos Dunlap with an Achilles injury. It just is listed as Achilles is the reason he did not practice. And he also didn't play on Saturday. Are we thinking that this is like, you know, they're thinking it's torn. What does this mean for the Chiefs? No, I don't think that it's anything serious. I think it's one of those things where you've got an aging guy that's coming in. Let's not pretend that like he hasn't been in the league for like 12 or 13 years. Like this is a seasoned guy who's coming in kind of in the same situation that Terrell Suggs did a few years ago. However, this one is, is kind of early Terrell Suggs. When he came in, he practiced for like the first week and then he wasn't really practicing. It was like, Hey, you kind of know what's going on. You understand what we're trying to do here. We know what we're, you know, what we're asking of you let's move forward. So that's essentially what I think is happening here with Carlos Dunlap. I think that 
his Achilles might be hurting him a little bit, um, but I think that he's a veteran guy who they're going to ask to come in and play some on on running downs and then mostly on passing downs to provide a pass rush. And, I mean, the guy had eight sacks last year, which is more than I can say for almost anybody on this team. Uh, so I think that he'll come in and provide a, a much-needed service. I don't know how crazy – he will be I don't know if he will be like a 12 or a 10 sack guy this year but I think probably eight seven is a reasonable number to expect from him you know something I heard the other day that blew my mind as long as Steve Spagnuolo has been the defensive coordinator for the Chiefs there has never been a defensive player that have double digit sacks it's never happened Chris Jones's big year was under Bob Sutton they've not had one guy who's gotten double digit sacks since spags has come to town well but there's a there's a reason for i don't think that that's spags related i think that's personnel related i i I, I do think it's spags related because he's a blitz heavy guy and you know he's turned you know legerious need into a good pass rusher at times he's turned tired matthew into a pass rusher like the nature of his blitz like for instance i will forever believe that in the game against the texans in 2019 chris jones was injured in that game they more or less had all their blockers like Suggs um, and Derek Nadi and those guys more or less just maintain their blocks and let Frank Clark just tra- chase Deshaun Watson around. Like it was scheme orientated that uh, Frank Clark had those three sacks in that game. Like I, I do think it is a little bit of spags. Now I think this year that probably changes because I think Chris, again, going back to Chris Jones's contract year, and I think that we'll get a full year of him at defensive tackle will help a lot. And this is probably the best pass rushers he's going to play with since Chris Jones has been here. Well, yeah. And, and that's kind of what I was getting at. Like that last year that we had Bob Sutton as our defensive coordinator, we had D Ford who was playing fairly well. We had Justin Houston who was still, you know, kind of descending off of his apex, but still a really, really good player. And we also had some help up the middle. I can't remember if Dontari Poe was still here, but there, there was another guy that whose name is escaping me um, who was providing more pressure up the middle. And, I mean, you look at it this past couple of years, like we got Frank Clark expecting that he would take over a Justin Houston type of production role, and he just never was that. Like he had that first year who, where we, he was really good. Um, I still only think he had about eight sacks. And – when that happens and you don't have another guy that can come in and really, really rush the passer, you're going to get more double and triple teams on guys like Chris Jones, who the whole league has been put on notice to for the past four or five years. So yeah. Alan Bailey is who you're talking about. Alan Bailey. Yeah. But I mean, just, just listen to this. I mean, this is, these were the good old days, man. D Ford, 13 sacks, Chris Jones, 15 and a half. Justin Houston had nine. He missed some games that season. Alan Bailey had six. Something named Xavier Williams had two and a half sacks. Oh, he was that nose tackle that they got from um, Arizona. And then yep. our brother in Christ, Breland Speaks, with one and a half sacks. So, um, Stud. yeah, yeah. But, I mean, the Carlos Dunlap thing does concern me because Carlos Dunlap has torn an Achilles. And the saying usually goes, once a player tears one, the next one is almost a given. Like, you know, we saw well, that with Derek Johnson. Same, it's we saw that same with leg, isn't it? I, I don't know that. I don't know if that's true or not. Um, we saw that with Derek Johnson, Eric Berry. You might be right. And, you know, I hope you're right. Like, you know, Carlos Dunlap considerably raised the floor of this pass rush. Last thing I want to talk about with the preseason game. Um, Christian, yes or no question. Do the Chiefs running backs just suck? Maybe. Can I can I answer like that? <laughs> I mean, I mean, here's here's the thing, man. I I am trying, like you know, I just confessed my sins about Nick Bolton, but I'm not like I'm not going to the altar about Clyde Edwards-Alaire. First off, it doesn't you. it doesn't nor, take nor it doesn't you. take like the FBI to figure out what's going on here. First off, he comes out day one of camp and is on the pup, and everyone's like, oh, don't 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 worry, it's not a big deal. He'll be back tomorrow. Well, that's the conditioning test. He didn't pass the conditioning test. And then um, I can see if I can find the direct quote here, but Eric Bieniemy this week said something along the lines of, someone asked him a question along the lines of, what does Clyde need to learn in this year? What can Clyde do in this year? And he said, for Clyde, I think the biggest thing is just to be able to make plays and stay on the field, play after play. You know, stay on the field and contribute seven, eight plays in a row. 
Um, you know, his his wind is what he needs to really improve on. Like he literally just said, Clyde needs to be able to play eight plays in a row and keep his wind about him, which is as close to saying he's out of shape as you can. I mean, you can say, especially for a team and a coaching staff that doesn't say much. Um, and also, you know, Pacheco, obviously, we always knew that the hype was too much simply because more people were talking about the hype than there was actual hype. But I, you know, I, I don't know. And maybe it's just like you said, that they're just not taking out the good plays, but the running, the running game is the only like offensive concern I have slash don't think the running backs have been particularly good in pass uh, protection either. I think that there's been several times. I feel like a running back just completely whiffs on a block from Mahomes. Yeah. I mean, some of that, um, and I mean, the biggest evidence of, you know, missed opportunities as far as the run game goes, goes when Mahomes was pointing out to Pacheco, hey, why didn't you take that wide open lane on the right side where the play was called? Why, did, why didn't you take that instead of running directly into the left guard's back? Like, th- there are plenty of opportunities for these running backs. I saw a stat the other day that said um, the average push by the Chiefs lineman is two yards. So it's two yards before they get con- the running back gets contacted. And then we are dead last in uh, yards after contact. So it's obvious that our running backs have holes. Our, our offensive line, if you've been watching the games, has gotten incredible push. I mean, we are supposed to have one of the top three or four offensive lines in the league this year. Outside of right tackle, we should be the, considered the best. So... I don't understand what's going on here. Um, Clyde Edwards-Alaire, I, we, I really liked him coming out of college. Um, I, that was actually one of the first uh, pieces that I wrote for Arrowhead Live was Clyde Edwards-Alaire should be drafted in the second round. Probably not the first round, though. And what did we do? We spent a first-round pick on him, and it has never paid out. So – it is a little bit surprising that Isaiah Pacheco is getting all the hype. And I personally still kind of believe in that. He's just a young guy who went to Rutgers. Like, you know, he probably is not going to have the best experience um, waiting on the game to come to him when he was so, he was much more athletic than anybody else was on the field when he was playing there. So I think that, you know, it's hard to decide kind of what we should do. You know, what the franchise should do, I mean, because we have invested in the running back position. We've spent a first round pick. We've spent multiple draft picks. We've picked up guys uh, off of the free agent wire, and we still haven't found anybody that really pops. Now, other than McKinnon, I guess you could say. McKinnon is the only guy who's really shown out. Here's the thing. Um, First off, I want to read the quote just so we are not taking things out of context for a uh, fact finding reason. Okay, here we go. So, um, well, I thought I had it. Um, okay. Direct quote. My challenge has been to him is to, well, I know this sounds crazy, but just to get his wind right, to make sure that his endurance is right, to be able to play seven, eight, nine, ten 10 plays in a row. I mean, that's, that's directly criticizing his conditioning. There's, I, it's pretty clear. Yeah, I will yeah. not listen to anything else, especially for a guy who played running back in the NFL like EB did. Um, the the problem, and here's my thing: the Chiefs do not need Derrick Henry. They do not need Jonathan Taylor. Yes, we love to fantasize about what Jamal Charles would look like in this offense, but what they just need is they just needed Damian Williams, who could find a freaking hole and hit a home run when it was there. I'm still hopeful that Pacheco can be that guy, but like this Edward Dallaire conditioning thing just tells you why his, you know, longest run is like 26 yards. It's, you know, and who knows, maybe he'll come out against the Cardinals and it'll be like that opening game against the Texans. And we'll all feel like idiots here, but I, you know, the thing, the thing that's just concerning is like, you know, there's several clips going around of Pacheco missing wide open holes. Edward Dallaire has struggled with that. And even when he hits the open hole, he doesn't always score. Jarek McKinnon, pulls his hamstring looking at the hole. Ronald Jones can't get on the field. He literally didn't have a carry in the game the other day. So, I mean, he, at this point, he's a myth. It's just, it's it's frustrating because I think, you know, I think that there's a huge opportunity for a running back. They just need to find the right person to do it. And that's like one of the few things that Daryl Williams did well and why at times 
Daryl Williams looked like the best back last year is because he would hit the open hole. Now, he wasn't very explosive, but what was there, he took. Well, yeah, and not only that, but, you know, he was a factor in the passing game. And I know we've heard about every single excuse, especially uh, if you've been on Twitter recently about why Clyde hasn't succeeded, whether that was a pancreas thing or whether that was, uh, what was it, a leg injury or just not being healthy overall. Where's the pass receiving factor of CEH? Because that was his that was his calling card. Like, yeah, this yeah. is a guy that can come out of the backfield and, you know, play like, uh, oh, what was that running back he was compared to, Andy Reid compared him to? Brian Westbrook. Brian Westbrook, yes. And I mean, to be here's that the guy. thing. Where is I, that? I don't want this to just be a Clyde referendum because the, the problem is more than just Clyde edwards Delaire, But the Chiefs just, the running back room is frustrating because it feels like they've, you know, at one point I thought we had the best running back room we've had here in KC. And um, I'm just a little underconfident about it right now. And who knows, this might self-correct. Um, well, real real quickly, though, you said Clyde isn't the problem. What do you believe the problem is? Well, then? okay, I, I Clyde is the problem, especially whenever you consider it's pick number 32, right? Like, okay, you draft a running yes. back at pick number 32. You shouldn't have to be trying to improve the running back position every year. I guess what I want to say, though, is that, you know, the Chiefs, they're not doing the sunk cost thing where they're like, well, we he's picked 32. We have to give him every opportunity. Like he's been put on notice this year. That's definitely happened. Mm-hmm. The Ronald Jones signing, drafting Pacheco, bringing in McKinnon after the offseason, all this glorification of um, Pacheco, all of this talk about his conditioning and putting him on pup. Like he's been put on notice. There's no doubt. But, you know, the it, it just feels like the Chiefs haven't pushed the right button yet. And I think that's kind of what's frustrating my um we'll do like our predictions next week as far as what we think actual chiefs stats are going to be but my like prediction for what pacheco is going to be because someone asked me that yesterday is i said i feel like he's going to be like tony pollard every Mm -hmm. person that watches football fantasy football or the cowboys is like every time tony pollard gets the ball it's like god just get this guy the ball more holy cow like this is the best running back on the team Please play Tony Pollard more. And every fantasy guy like gets him. But whenever Tony Pollard gets a chance to like be the guy, the every down back, he always kind of disappoints. I feel like you're gonna see Pacheco get the ball and be like, holy cow, like he has to have the ball more. And then when it just kind of comes to good old plain Jane up the gut or you know, traditional run, he's going to not fulfill your hopes. I think. Like, you know, listen to this. This is 2019 Tony Pollard, 455 rush yards, two touchdowns with a long of 44 yards, 107 receiving yards with a receiving touchdown. That sounds like what could be a reality for Pacheco. Now, he did a little bit more in the next two years, you know, especially in 2021 where, um, he, you know, Zeke was kind of benched. But I, I could see that being a reality that like you see him and you're like, oh, gosh, we need more of him. But truthfully, that's just the thing that he's best at. He is the changeup rather than him being the, you know, every down back. Well, but here's the thing is if you're a Cowboys fan, we'll put, put ourselves in their shoes for a minute. Would you rather have Zeke carrying the ball or Tony Pollard? Like, honestly, if you had to choose one of those backs to carry it the entire time, which one would you choose? I think 99% of them would choose Tony Pollard at this point. And it's not only because he's been a little bit more consistent than Zeke or because Zeke has just been such a letdown over these past couple of years. It's because with Tony Pollard, there's opportunity. It's like, okay, you know what? There's a chance he breaks one. Like he might not always get the expected yards per play. And, you know, maybe his stats won't look as good towards the end of the season, but there's always that factor of like, okay, but if, if Tony Pollard hits this hole, it could be a TD. Like there's still that threat on the field. And that's something that I don't think you have with Clyde. Like looking at this side, if you, if you t- asked me if I would rather have Clyde as the Zeke role and Isaiah Pacheco as that Tony Pollard role, I would say start Pacheco and keep Clyde in the back. Like give, give him swap those two roles. IP takes 90% of the snaps. Clyde takes 10% or, or whatever it would be. And it, it would just be because there's potential there. I think we've seen what Clyde is. 
We know that he's not going to be that breakaway back. He's not going to be a Kareem Hunt replacement. He's not even going to be a Damian Williams replacement. So at least there's some chance IP could be a legit starting running back with boom potential. But, you know, like I said, we just don't see that in Clyde. So I, I would choose IP. Yeah. And I, I mean, I think if we're talking about the space, the things that are most likely to happen, I definitely think there is a possibility that, you know, Pacheco is the leading rusher for the team, leads the team in pretty much every counting stat when it comes to rushing, partially because they like him and he has that skill set and partially because Edward Solaire gets hurt every year. And I would expect that to happen again this year. Yeah, well, it's kind of an inevitability now. I mean, I I really hate to be down on a player just because he's been injured, but at some point you have to take that into account when you're evaluating him and what you're expecting of him for the upcoming year. It's like Clyde hasn't played a full season his entire career. You think that's going to change this year? No, like there's going to be an issue that arises. And whether that's just because of dumb luck or if it's, you know, something with his conditioning, we'll never know, but it always seems like there's something. And we haven't seen that with a few of the other running backs on our roster right now. So, yeah, I, I agree about Clyde Edwards later. Um, okay. In order to cheer ourselves up a little bit, we're going to play a little rapid fire, true or false, Christian. You're just going to tell me if the statement I say is true or false. Okay. Sounds good. True or false. Jody Fortson has five touchdowns this season. False. It's fort season, baby. Come on. Okay. I can't buy in. I can't buy in. Man, he looks really good in the red zone. He really does. And I, the, it to me, it wasn't like, oh, we always knew he was big and he could go up and catch a ball. But it was the ability to stay on track with Mahomes as he broke the structure of the play. That looked like stuff that, like, Mahomes and Kelsey have done before. Obviously, they're not that level of like simpatico, but I would have said true. See, okay, but just right. I know we said rapid fire, but I'll say one more thing. I can't come on here and then directly talk about how Clyde is so injury prone and then be on the Jody Fortson hype train. It's like dude, that guy's injured more often than anybody else. So I can't say five. Three, yeah, five, no. Okay. Next, true or false, Justin Watson has over 300 yards this season. I'll say true. He seems to have found a niche in the offense, and I think he'll do well. That's absolutely the correct answer. Patrick Mahomes now has his white wide receiver. He has entered the Hall of Fame text thread. Wes Welker, um, Julian Edelman, he's got his white wide receiver. He's here to stay. This is Mahomes' guy. I'm ready for him to be in the slot the next decade. Let's go. He does look really good, though. I, I, I'm i surprised at how much they have synced together. Um, okay, true or false? Chris Jones has 10 sacks this season. I'll say true. True or false? Willie Gay has five interceptions this season. Ooh. I'll have to say false on that one. Five is a lot. He gets his hands on a lot of balls, though. He really does. Like, he's pretty prolific in the past game. Okay. Oh, yeah. He's super fast. It just, I don't know. That just seems like a lot. We didn't even have a cornerback that got five interceptions last year. So, True or false? The Chiefs' right tackle for Week 17, so the last game of the year, the Chiefs' right tackle for Week 17 is currently on the roster. True. I think it's false. I think that they make a move. I think Andrew Wiley really? looks pretty rough. I think Lucas Nyang's very injured still and coming back. I think Darian Kennard might not make this team. I I wonder if they don't make some move at the deadline or something. Or I mean, call me crazy. Like sign Eric Fisher. He's still a free agent. He knows his offense. He'd be a hell of a right tackle at this point in his career. You know, probably not a left tackle. A great left tackle anymore. So yeah. I don't want to play right. Yeah. I mean, you'd walk Wiley up. hasn't looked great. But... Yeah. He hasn't. And I think also, like, we've seen that the Chiefs backup offensive linemen suck this year. Like, it's Allegretti, Allegretti and nothing else. How Austin Ryder ever played meaningful snaps for this team, I will never know. You get, like, you make your team better in two ways. Like, right tackle, you feel like 
Eric Fisher would be an upgrade over Wiley. And then also Wiley automatically steps into a super value, super utility with Allegretti. Feel pretty good about the depth along the line there. Oh, yeah. Well, and he can play multiple positions, too. It's like you needed him come in at left guard. Yeah, Andrew Wiley can do that. You needed to come in at right tackle if Eric Fisher gets hurt again. Like, yeah, yep, absolutely. He can come in and fill that role for a while. Maybe not the whole entire season, but he can help you out. Okay, last true or false. Sky Moore has a better rookie season than McCall Hardman's rookie season. Let me read you McCall Hardman's rookie season. 26 receptions for 538 yards with, let me count TDs, six touchdowns. Hmm. 538, six. So here's what I'll say. I'll say... Yes, I'll say over the receptions and the yards, but I won't say more touchdowns. I think he probably is around that four touchdown range um, just because he couldn't hit a home run like Nicole Hardman could. I mean, it was like you'd give him one of those end arounds or a, uh, you know, those forward passes at the line of scrimmage and he would just absolutely crush it, give you a whole bunch of yards. I don't think Sky Moore has that in him. But I think he's a more reliable receiver down the field, which is, you know, what we've been asking for for the past, I don't know, three or four years from a wide receiver, two or three. So, yeah, that would I would be absolutely ecstatic if Sky Moore reached those goals. Yeah, that's really like when it comes to my expectations for Sky Moore this year, it's almost exactly 2019 McCall Hardman because that offense had Terry Kill had Travis Kelsey, had Sammy Watkins. So there was a lot of options. He was, you know, kind of option number four on that team. That's about what I would put Sky at on this, maybe even a little less because, I, you know, I th- we just finished talking up um, Justin Watson. So, um, yeah, that's exactly what I think. Real quick, before we get out of here, let's do some general NFL talk. I want to bring something to the table here. Um, we don't really need to get into the social implications of Deshaun Watson's suspension. But I just want to talk about it from a football aspect for a little bit. Are we sure that Deshaun, like, let me ask you this question. Are the Browns going to regret the Deshaun Watson trade? Not because of publicity. Like, they clearly don't care about that. Just strictly football and the compensation. Are they going to regret trading for Deshaun Watson? Well, I think if you've watched any of the preseason, there's an argument to be made that Deshaun Watson isn't exactly the player he was before he went on that hiatus. Um, but I, I mean, he was really close to the passing yards leader um, a few years ago. He had a, an okay Texans team that he took to the playoffs. Um, the infamous 24, nothing comeback that the chiefs played against, um, you know, that doesn't exactly bode well for Watson, but they get, he got the Texans and Bill O'Brien to, the playoffs and that hasn't happened since even man with i most thing, of the guys that one thing I, I gotta stop you right there people talk about bill o'brien like he's some sort of just epic boob like he's because oh, he is dude yeah what what look at what the texans did when bill o'brien was there and then look at what they have done since he's there that organi- that organization destroyed the organization no he is not responsible for what is going on in the organization right now that organization went out and hired Nick Casario and that super pastor from New England. And like they like ineptness goes beyond the head coach. I understand that they made him the GM, but he wasn't the GM the whole time he was there. Like, no, but he, he effectively was. And where, he effectively and where is, was. And where is he now? Where's Bill O'Brien at now? Do you know? No. He's the offensive coordinator for Alabama. Like, this guy is oh, not an idiot. Okay. Like, oh, Nick, Nick. What do you mean? I could be the offensive coordinator of Alabama. You've got a thousand five-star I'm, recruits that are knocking on the door to come I'm, in. I'm, it's still the SEC. It's still like I'm. I'm telling you, I Nick Bill O'Brien is not the idiot that everyone makes him out to be. Do I think that he was a genius? No. Do I think that he was, you know, Andy Reid's equal or anything? No. And I don't think he should have been a GM. I don't think Andy Reid should have been a GM. Andy Reid clearly agrees with that too. He's not done that here, but he was not like this. Is not um what was his name? Who was the Giants head coach? Just got Nick fired. Nick Saban. No, oh, no, 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 no. Uh, 
He was with I, the Dolphins. Um, yeah, I can't remember. Judge, um, Joe Judge. This isn't yeah, Joe, Joe Judge. Judge. Joe Judge. This isn't, you know, this is there. You can do a lot worse than Bill O'Brien. No. Point. Now, now let me ask you, I will provide evidence that Bill O'Brien is an absolute asshat. If you can provide me evidence that he wasn't. Um, I'll present okay. to you him winning like three or four division championships with Andrew Luck in the division. And he had like some of the quarterbacks that he had, like David Carr. He had um, fucking people on. Oh, gosh, dang it. You're going to make me play full, full preference. Either way, <laughs> let's get back to the topic at hand and I will come back with the counter. But here's my thing. Can Deshaun Watson literally go into that locker room and try to act like the vocal leader of that team? with the clown show that is his personal life anymore. I mean, just listening to some of the, like some of the pressers that are going on in there. I understand that it's football and, you know, rally behind the quarterback and all that stuff, but I guarantee you there are guys in that locker room who are not okay with him being there, or maybe they don't care as much, but they don't believe him that he's innocent. I, I, you know, and I just would have a hard time that guy being the highest paid guy in that locker room telling me what to do you know that that there's going to be issues let alone the fact that he hasn't played football in like two you know it's going to be close to two and a half years since he's taken a snap of actual football yeah and the time off doesn't exactly help his case to come in and become the vocal leader but you have to remember this is not the first sexual assault or rape case the nfl has faced with vocal leaders of either an offense or defense i mean big ben we all know that case if you move to the nba you have guys like kobe bryant even shaquille o'neal both dealt with those types of accusations settled out of court and came back the next season and contributed greatly to their team's success um guys like jordan hicks Jameis winston these are all guys that have dealt with sexual assault cases and come back and been the vocal leader now have they have they lifted their team to greater heights because they came in and were the leader not necessarily but there are a lot of great players that have had these off the field issues and come back and done extremely well now the difference here is that i don't think any of them have been as outspoken about their innocence as deshaun watson has and you know what if he actually is innocent and somehow all of these women have completely made up these false accusations against him um, then you know what? Power to him. However, I don't think that that's necessarily the case. I don't think anyone else believes that's the case. So he might have a harder time, you know, getting his team to follow behind him. But you got to remember, this is the Browns. There are not a lot of vocal leaders in the Browns organization that will be able to step to the plate and get guys to rally behind them. Deshaun Watson is one of those guys who has the cachet, who has the time in the league, who has the football knowledge to come in and do that. Now, I wish he was suspended for the rest of his career because of what happened. But unfortunately, um, given you know the, the recent settlement, it doesn't look like that's going to happen. Okay. I'll say my piece about Deshaun Watson here in a second. But for your Bill O'Brien is not a good coach, I present to you the 2016 Houston Texans. Andrew Luck played a full season this year, so it's not like he was hurt or something. The Houston Texans went 9-7 and seven and won first in the division. They then won a playoff game and then lost to Tom Brady in the playoffs. Their quarterbacks that year, Brock Osweiler and something called Tom Savage. Lamar Miller and Alfred Blue were their leading rushers. Of course, Akeem Hunt, chief legend. You did have Will Fuller and DeAndre Hopkins. And tight end Ryan Griffin. That is an awful roster. And he, then he went mm. on to, in 2018, 2019, and 2020, or sorry, 2018 and 2019, won the division as well. Put some respect on that man's name. He's not as bad as people. That, it's a joke, the way people act like Bill O'Brien was. Okay. Okay, but, but let's not pretend like he didn't tra- trade away Dwayne Brown for absolutely nothing. And then trade, who, who I mean, was a really, def- really good left tackle. My defense and, has never been that he was a good GM. That's never my thing. But as a coach, as well, a coach he did team. that as the head coach. He said that was, uh, 
I can't remember who the GM was at the time, but he was having a problem. I think his wife died or something, and he was taking some time to grieve with his family. And the Houston Texans ownership basically said, Bill O'Brien, you can start transitioning to running the team. Yeah, you're making my point for me now because you're showing how inept that whole organization was and that he was kind of doing the best he could there. But all right, semantics. Yeah, Deshaun Watson, Mm -hmm. I'm just going to like stick my flag in the ground and say, Sean Watson never plays in a conference championship with the Browns. Oh, well, yeah, that's not a tough stand. So, you know, I mean, so he I mean, doesn't make it to the playoffs. The playoffs, the, Browns. the playoffs are easier than you think it is. I mean, it, it can happen, but not in the AFC. But I mean, here's the thing, dude. You just gave a quarterback, you gave up multiple first round picks and gave him the largest guaranteed deal in NFL history for a quarterback. And to say you're not even going to play in a conference championship. That's a disaster in itself. Like that's an utter failure. Like that should be, you know, like look at what the Bucks gave Brady financially and what he brought to that organization. You yeah, know? but you're and talking I, about one of the greatest quarterbacks I know, of all time. But yeah, but I'm saying like this isn't the Kirk Cousins deal. Like Kirk Cousins got, you know, a big contract and he was a true free agent quarterback. But look at what the returns have been. And the Browns like tripled and dub- doubled that by financial cause and also draft pick compensation as well if they don't make it to a conference championship with this guy it's an utter failure you know i i think that you're looking through this you're looking at this through the lens of a spoiled chiefs fan okay if you're making it deep into the playoffs maybe not even the conference championship let's do this let's do this patrick mahomes never exist okay like you know randy used birth control he never existed Deshaun Watson, we are still in the purgatory that is Alex Smith, okay? Deshaun Watson is a free, you know, the whole thing has happened with Deshaun Watson. The Chiefs just traded for Deshaun Watson. So all this hate that has come towards Browns fans is now coming towards Kansas City. I are you excited? Are, are you excited? Are you optimistic? I don't think that's a I don't think that's a a reasonable con. It's it's the because literal. We're not con. talking it's, about the Chiefs. No, 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 no. It's no. the literal. We're, con. we're talking about we're talking about expectations and what would be considered a win for that organization. They have made the playoffs once in the past. I think it's like forty years. It's something crazy. They they've made the playoffs once in a really long time, and that was with Baker Mayfield, a not great quarterback. Okay, but these let me... are not. This is not a fan base that's like. You know what? It's Super Bowl or bust this year. And if they are that way, but then here's that's, the a, thing. that's a ridiculous take. You do not get to kick out the sexual assault allegations, right? Those no, don't go no. away. So the point is, is you're going to come and get all this egg on your face and do all of this for a guy with all of this baggage. That comes with the contract, with the draft pit conversation. Because by God, if, you know, you, if the streets of Cleveland are packed with Browns fans in middle of February to celebrate a Super Bowl. I bet a lot of them are going to kind of forget about the whole massage thing. But if he never gets to the playoffs or never wins a playoff game or never goes to the conference championship, people are not going to forget that. That's They're part not of this. They're dragging anyway. them through. They're this. not going to forget it anyway. And here's There's the, no way we still no, talk about Big Ben. But and I, there was dude, one but accuser. That's us. That's us as Kansas City Chiefs fans. But if, no, that's that's the league in general. And I'm telling you, dude, people, there'd be plenty. I I guarantee you they would not have an issue with attendance at the Browns parade. Whether Deshaun Watson, there'd be jerseys. Well, no, of course not. But my point is this. They took on the amount of responsibility and bad publicity that they took on by bringing on Deshaun Watson financially, draft pick compensation, and ethically is such a high stake that it basically has to be Super Bowl or bust. And by the way, the situation you're describing, although they've barely won a playoff game in like four se- or forty years, that's basically what the Chiefs were. They were they, they were almost in the exact same situation. They were at least until making the playoffs. They were sometimes making with the, the one seed. Sometimes they were making with the, the one playoffs seed and comically losing every year. You know, okay. like yeah. And I, and, Browns- and guess what? If we would if we had a if we had a quarterback that came in and got us to I don't know that the divisional round, not the wild card, get us all the way to the division, win us the divisional round or get us to the divisional round with a wild card spot or something like that. Then we would be like, yeah, okay. That was a successful season. We got further than we did last year. Only one team ever wins the Super Bowl. 
You're going to say that every team had a failure of a season. No, it's, it's based on what you've done in the past and what your expectations are in the future. And the Browns, their expectations might be higher than usual. I mean, they're probably not higher than Cowboys fans who think they're going to the Super Bowl every single year. But this is a team that lost a lot of good pieces, lost a lot of future draft capital. They are not going into this season thinking that a conference championship is a must. Well, certainly they not. Might this, think... Certainly not this year because of the suspension, right? Like Jacoby Brissett's yes. not going to get them in that position. But I mean, especially considering what the AFC is right now, as far as talent goes, as well. I I, I guess you know this is just a agree to disagree situation. But if my team just traded for that guy and gave him that deal with those picks, the only thing that I'm going to say is, well, you better go win the Super Bowl. You better go win make it to Super Bowl to See, put, not... to put everyone through all this to go nine and eight is the largest disaster possible in my opinion well it's not great right you're, you're not looking at that at that situation and thinking you've won the trade but if you have a guy that can come in and win you multiple playoff games then I think that you're okay I mean I think that you you look at that situation and you go okay well we weren't the best organization before he came here. The one quarterback that we had that actually got us to the playoffs and won a game, we let go and are we traded essentially. Um, but we, we got multiple playoff runs out of it. The dog pound isn't, you know, going to the Super Bowl, but at least it's better than living in bottom tier NFL franchise territory where they've been for the past. I don't know how long has the, the NFL existed. So when you talk about bad teams, you talk about Browns, Texans, Jags. Um, I, I'm losing out on Detroit. You're, you're talking about the Lions. So when you're talking about those organizations, if he gets you even a little bit past that, you're like, okay, yes. You know, we, we did it not the way that I would want to as a fan. I would not be cheering for him. I would be cheering for team success. I wouldn't be cheering for Deshaun Watson at this point, but you would at least say, at least we're not talked about like the Lions. At least we are not in the same conversation as the Jags. I think that if you can do that and get out of that mindset for the Browns, if you can imprint on this generation that the Browns maybe aren't the most moral organization, but at least they're not awful like the Jags, I think that you've maybe won the trade as far as the perception of your franchise goes. That is the the most pathetic, like, little trophy that exists. Like, it's like the little, like, mini trophy that's handed out to the third-place soccer team or whatever. Like, that is... Were you were it, you happy when, when the Chiefs were not a bottom-tier franchise, when we had Alex Smith? I was happy. No, I would have liked to have seen a skill. I, I guess my perspective but... is just a little bit different because I always knew that as long as Alex Smith was the quarterback of this team, the Chiefs were never going to win a Super Bowl. I knew exactly what they were, and they were just good enough to provide commercial inventory for the first week of the playoffs and then maybe make it to the divisional and every time they faced a real quarterback lose. So it it was it was mediocrity. Did, was it better than, you know, like Javon Belcher shooting himself in the parking lot and like that year and, you know, the clown show that was the Chiefs for a couple of years? Yeah, for sure. Um, but just because it's better doesn't mean it's worth trading for a guy with like 30 sexual assault accusations and trading like your whole draft and 230 million guaranteed dollars. That's just, I mean, that's just my, I understand where you're coming from and we'll, we'll just move. We'll just have to agree to disagree. We'll move forward and and get to our next topic. All right. From the world's biggest Deshaun Watson fan, Christian Hainsworth. Hey, I'm just kidding. Put that on. (laughs) Last last thing. What do you think Tom Brady's going to do this year? Like, I think so. Full disclosure: when we were talking about this earlier in the week, he wasn't back with a team yet, and it's all been kind of very mysterious. This afternoon, he tweeted out something that kind of changed this a little bit. So the hot topic was he, you know, signed that huge deal with Fox. A lot of Reddit pages were um, buzzing that the Masked Singer is filming right now, breaking the Masked Singer is not live. If you watch that show. And he, that's a Fox product. And everyone said, oh, I bet he's doing the Mass Singer because like Terry Bradshaw has been on the Mass Singer before. So as uh, 
some other NFL players. The Gronk was on it not that long ago. So a lot of people thought he's on Mass Singer and he's filming for it. However, he tweeted out today, I was not at the mass, I was not filming for the Mass Singer, but I was wearing a mask where I was. So that pretty much tells us if in case you don't know, Brady's like personal life. His mother has had cancer for several years and kind of battled it off and on. So the guess is that he was probably with his mom uh, for personal reasons. But I, you know, he retired, he unretired. And then did you watch UFC on Saturday? No, but I did see the highlights. Did you hear this, the Gronk story? Mm, oh, about almost being traded to the Raiders? Uh, yeah, that he almost signed with the Raiders to the point that like, Gronk and him were like looking for houses in Vegas and yes, uh, yes Dana White had that. more or less brought him on. Did you connect the did you see that Twitter connected the dots that that same year in 2020 Tom Brady went on the shop LeBron James's show mm-hmm. where he said you're all gonna stick with that MFR that that was Derek Carr that he was talking about. Oh yes yeah yeah like I, I don't know I'm just curious to see what you think this season is going to look like for Tom Brady the interior of the offensive line is very banged up they won't have Chris Godwin back until later. No Antonio Brown. No Rob Gronkowski. Um, you know, there's Mike Evans is kind of always banged up a little bit. What do you think this year looks like for him? Well, if the question really is what should Tom Brady do this season or what what do you think he should do? I don't know what, what the answer to that is. I know that his wife should probably take out a life insurance policy on him because he is going to be absolutely murdered with this patchwork offensive line that he's got put in front of him. I w- if I was Tom Brady, I would try to get out of this, this season unscathed, maybe make a playoff appearance and just hope that you survive. I mean, this is, this is going to be an absolutely crazy season for him. He has all this publicity on him now as if he didn't before, but you know, you have all these things going around. Um, you're with a, franchise that kind of went through some deconstruction this past offseason where you have Bruce Arians getting promoted to what is it head of football operations and getting a new head coach I mean that's you know that that's enough to go through but also when you have your offensive line completely destroyed and in shambles um, in a division that's going to be fairly competitive with the Saints actually coming back and and looking like they're going to be a force um, I, I would just hope to survive. That, that's all that I can say. I would, I would hope that I could put up a manageable stat line where you look at it and you don't go, oh, that's MJ with the Wizards. I, I would get, you know, 4,500 yards, maybe 30 touchdowns, and then say, that's good. That's all I needed. I can finally retire, or I can collude with the Dolphins organization again and get Sean Payton over there and do something with the Dolphins. I so here here's my kind of like path I could see I could see it just being another season, you know maybe a little bit more like his last season in New England where it's more like twenty eight touchdowns nine interceptions where he's just a good quarterback not a great quarterback like he's been just the lack of help he has the age the distractions, but I could also see things going south a little bit in the first couple of seasons and then he just like doesn't come back after the bye week. Because I mean, here's the, first the thing. First couple games, you mean? Yeah, like if the okay. first couple, the first right. couple of weeks, he's there. The game, you know, they're maybe they're 500 or maybe sub 500. He goes somewhere for the bye week and just doesn't come back. You know, I could I could see it. The thing is, like, there's no player in the NFL who has more inventory stacked up than Tom Brady, so he could do pretty much whatever, and everyone would still just be, you know, the goat. So I, um, you know, I I could kind of see that. I I don't know. Like I I I really think he wasted his best opportunity. He should have retired in 2020. Like go out oh, on top. Yeah. Absolutely yep. should have. I was shocked that he retired. Like I told myself I knew he wasn't going to retire last year after he lost the way that they lost. I just couldn't see it happening that way. But I mean, I don't know. I how good you feel about them being able to go and do better this year. I I'm not sure. Well, here's the thing is that whenever I did my predictions last week um, I was fairly certain that the Bucks were going to do fairly well. I knew that the center was had just gotten injured. You know, that's not great, but, you know, you can replace a center. It's like one of the – it's important to read blitzes and to assign, uh, you know, uh, assignments along the offensive line. 
but it's not like you can't help out a center with a guard every once in a while. Like it's, it's not like losing your franchise left tackle. So I, I was like, okay, you know, they could bring in somebody, maybe Austin Ryder gets cut and they could bring him in and he'll at least be serviceable. And then now you have another injury on an offensive line and you go, okay, all right, well, I'm not exactly sure where we go from here. You have to face the Saints defensive line twice. You have to face um, who else is in the division? Detroit. You have, to, you have to face Aiden Hutchinson twice. So that's not a good situation for you. So just maybe try to get out of there. It's, you know what I mean? There's, there's not a yeah. whole lot you can do. It's going to be. I, I, I don't expect them to do incredibly well now. Yeah, I think I think the Bucks are going to like default back to being the Bucks, which has been just kind of an organization that has struggled. And Tom Brady was just kind of right time, right place sort of situation. So it'll it's going to be interesting for sure. That's going to be a heck of a game. Chiefs Bucks. I think that's Week Four on the schedule. Mm-hmm. All yep. right. Cool. Well, I'll look forward to it. So we're going to call this a podcast next week. We're going to come back. We're going to predict the chiefs stats, you know, offensive, defensive, give you our final record predictions for the chiefs. Probably talk a little general NFL. And then before you know, it'll be September 11th, which I hate the opening of the season being September 11th. It feels so bleak being like, Oh man, it's almost September 11th. Oh yeah, brother. feels kind of gross, but um, you know, we'll call it kickoff for the chiefs, not September 11th, but uh, that's going to be it for us. This is Price Carter at Price A Carter on Twitter and Christian Amesworth at C Breezy underscore edits. And this is not just another sports podcast brought to you by Arrowhead Live. Thanks for listening, guys, and have a great day.